Welcome to On The Way, where we walk through scripture in episodes that are short enough that you can listen to them on the way to your destination and deep enough to help you on the way to becoming who God created you to be. We are being sanctified. We've not yet reached perfection. We are not yet in heaven, but we are on the way. Welcome to On The Way, episode 32. This is our second episode of season four and our second season in the book of Luke. Today we're starting at Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And as you can probably tell, I'm having a really hard time with the chapter divisions in Luke. These episodes keep landing in the middle of chapters. That's mostly because that's where I see the theme divisions. That's where the themes kind of switch over in the middle of these chapters. Remember, the chapters and verses are not part of the original manuscripts. The chapters and verses are a result of uh, some biblical translations that were printed in the 1500s, and and really, they don't mean much other than helping us find things in the Bible. Anyway, today we're doing the second half of Luke 10 and the first half of Luke 11. And the stories in this section seem to be just a big collection of random stories, but there is a definite theme that I see, a thread that runs through all these stories, and it's a focus on the relational nature of God's kingdom. So I don't have time to drill down into every story in this section, but I do want to recognize how each of these stories reveal God's relational, loving, nature. Luke 10, 27 is one of the most famous verses in the Bible. So an expert in the Mosaic law comes to Jesus and asks him how to get eternal life. And Jesus points the question back at him. What do you think? And the guy says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Over in the book of Mark, Jesus said the exact same thing. So this religious leader gets it right for once, but then he screws up. Verse 29 says, the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He's hoping his neighbors are just the people he likes, but Jesus flips the script on him. This is when Jesus tells the famous parable of the good Samaritan. We won't dive deep into this parable because we don't have time, but Jesus makes up a story, and in his story, the villains are people like the religious experts, and the hero in his story is someone that the religious experts would have hated, a Samaritan. The religious leaders refused to help a guy in need, but the Samaritan went above and beyond to care for the guy. So Jesus says the person you think of as your enemy is actually your neighbor, And he takes it one step further. Jesus doesn't just say who his neighbor is. He says how to be a neighbor. The religious expert wants to judge who's in and who's out. But Jesus says we should sacrifice for everyone as if they are all in. So how do we obey the law? Love people. That's his answer. Then we read the story of the time that Jesus visited Mary and Martha's house. Mary sat at Jesus' feet and listened to everything that he said, but Martha was worried about impressing Jesus with a beautiful meal. I can relate to Martha here. I've always been tempted to put tasks before relationships. But Jesus says, my dear Martha, I'm guessing he had a British accent when he said that. My dear Martha, No, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Luke 10, 41 through 42. 
Church, we can try to get all the details right. We can try to perfect our worship styles and our theology. We can have the best buildings and biggest youth conferences. But if we're not getting to know Jesus on a personal level, we are missing out. We see more of God's relational nature in the beginning of chapter 11, where Jesus teaches his people how to pray. Jesus' prayer starts with, Father. Often Jesus calls the Father God and Lord and other reverent titles, but here he uses a relational word. When he's talking about the glory of God, he uses the reverent titles. But when he's talking about how we should talk to God, he tells us to talk to him like we talk to a perfect and loving dad. If you look at Jesus's life, you see that prayer was so essential to how he lived. Yes, Jesus was God, but he limited himself. He put himself in a human body, so he needed prayer. He needed fellowship with his father to sustain him. Jesus asked his father to bring his kingdom to earth. The division between heaven and earth is agony for humans. And Jesus is looking forward to the day that earth and heaven are reunited. Reunited as they were in the Garden of Eden when God and man lived perfectly together. Then Jesus dove into a list of requests. Ask God to provide for you. Ask God to forgive you as you forgive others. Ask God that that he will remove temptation from your life. And Jesus tells his followers not just to list the things that that they want and then move on. He tells them to be persistent and consistent in their, in their requests. Ask, seek, trust, knock. If you don't get what you pray for, keep asking until God moves on your behalf. Luke ten nine says, And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. I hate asking for things. I'm an Enneagram 3, and I would much prefer to impress people with how little I need than appear to be needy. But how ignorant is that, right? Our filthy, rich, crazy, powerful dad is telling us to ask him for stuff, and we don't do it. Verse 13 says, If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This one's also hard for me because I've been burned by the prosperity gospel. One of my high school teachers convinced me that if I believe enough, God will give me a Lamborghini. The problem is God didn't give me a Lamborghini. In fact, I drive a minivan. Yeah, I'm that guy. But what did God give me? He gave me the realization that it would be really dumb for me to have a Lamborghini. I live in Gillette, Wyoming, where there's snow on the ground nine months out of the year. As my faith has matured, and that is definitely a work in progress, but as my faith has matured, the thing I ask for in prayer has changed. In fact, every day I start my daily quiet time with this prayer. God, what do you want me to pray about? And guess what the prayer that he gives me is almost always about? Not me. It's almost always about someone else. It's a prayer of intercession. Verses 14 through 28 are a story about some people who said Jesus is healing people with power given to him by Satan. When you read it, you'll roll your eyes and think exactly what Jesus says. Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. You say I am empowered by Satan, but if Satan is divided and fighting against himself, how can his kingdom survive? Luke eleven seventeen 17 through 18. 
If I'm on one team, why would I fight for the other team? That would be counterproductive. Then he says, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. If you're in relationship with Jesus, you fight on his side. He supplies all the strength we need and we get to participate in the fight. Okay, we'll stop there for this week. If you're getting together with a group to discuss this episode, we've included some discussion questions in the show notes. And if you have time, spend a few moments in prayer before your gathering. Ask God to use these passages to form you into the person he created you to be. Thank you for joining me for this episode of On the Way. Here are the discussion questions for this episode. Number one, the religious expert was able to summarize the old covenant Jewish law the same way Jesus did. Love God and love people. How is it that such a complex list of rules can be summarized so succinctly? See Luke 10, 27. Number two, Jews hated Samaritans, but Jesus used a Samaritan as an example of sacrificial love. Are there people in our world that are seen as the enemy or as outcasts that we need to see as neighbors? How can we be neighborly to them? Luke 10, 29. Number three, Jesus praised Mary for focusing on Jesus rather than on Martha's tasks. Are you naturally more like Mary, relationship-focused, or like Martha, task-focused? See Luke 10, 42. Number four, do you see Jesus' example prayer in Luke 11, 2-4 as a passage we should quote, as an outline that we should follow, or simply as an example of how we can talk to God? 